Right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, real. this one really came to a boil quickly here this morning in Ottawa mm-hmm. on this China state interference story because the Conservatives had forced a vote on this that was going to happen this afternoon, our time, on whether Katie Telford, Trudeau's chief, chief of Staff, should testify and what she knew about this China state interference. And it looked like the Liberals were going to lose that vote because Jugmeet Singh, the NDP leader, said, we're going to vote with the Conservatives well, and, the, and the Liberals signaled yesterday they they considering making the vote a matter of confidence, yeah. which would bring potentially topple the government. Bring the government they down. They backed away from that, and yeah. I think they blinked. So Telford's now going to testify in front of this committee. So she is now going to testify. So let's listen to, boy, the heat was really on the Trudeau government here on this. So let's listen to Conservative MP here, Michael Barrett. Here he is speaking in the House of Commons. They appointed a family friend of the Prime Minister, a board member on the Beijing-funded Trudeau Foundation, to advise the Prime Minister on whether he maybe should, probably might, could have a public inquiry. Why won't these Liberals and their NDP coalition partners allow the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, Katie Telford, to testify? Okay, well, now appears she will testify. So, I guess Yeah, and we don't know what she's going to say. I mean, again, there's not a lot of detail surrounding this, but uh, I think the Liberals blinked here. Yeah. And Telford is now going to, uh, to uh, take the stand. Uh, back to David Johnston. Yeah. Man of high integrity, but again, kind of politically tone deaf for, for Trudeau to basically appoint his... Someone he regarded as his uncle, as his uh, <laughs> family growing, friend, growing yeah. up, uh, living next door to the co- the family cottage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, it just gives the the political opponents a feast. Uh, to, to dine on. Well, it's always one of those ones about public confidence in the process, right? Like you could have the most the person with the most integrity in the world, you know, as honest as the day is long to come in and do well, this. Many, if, the pub, if the public doesn't is not fully confident in them, there's a problem. Yeah, I'm not sure we know the answer to that question yet. However, there's lots of instances where governments under heat actually appoint someone of a different political stripe to yeah. look into the matter rather than just hiring someone that shares your political view or that you have some sort of alliance with a point, not your enemy, but someone who's obviously on the other side of the, of the fence. Uh, and many governments have done that in the past, which the Trudeau government has chosen to ignore. Right. And also other developments on this story this morning, Trudeau has announced that David Johnston, the special rapporteur will be asked to report out by October with a, a report on his findings, and maybe so there could be more after that. Probably a little longer time period than many people may have thought. I think the expectation is there would have been an earlier reporting out, but it is what it is. But that's uh, we're now talking the fall, kicking this ball, this can down the road uh, a number of months here. Doesn't guarantee the story's going away. Right, and I had a really interesting discussion this morning with former Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart on the alleged Chinese state interference in the Vancouver election that he lost mm-hmm. last year. And I also spoke to Brad West, the POCO mayor. They both are calling for a public inquiry, and they both think that the the parameters of this review should be expanded to include municipal meddling in politics here. Well, you know, that's that's interesting. I mean, you do have this story from the Global Mail that there was some sort of interference in the municipal election. To Kennedy Stewart's credit, he's not hanging his loss on any allegations uh, or any evidence of interference in the Chinese uh, Governments. He's basically saying he lost by more than 30,000 votes. Uh, he's purely interested in this from his perspective as a poli-sci professor now, yeah. rather than anything else. 
Now, again, public inquiries, let's go back to the money laundering public inquiry, which fell yeah. far short of what people were expecting. And that's the problem with public inquiries. Everybody thinks the public inquiry is going to solve everything. Yeah. And you and I have discussed before, we don't know how it's going to work when you start bringing in spies <laughs> and security people. Yeah. Um, there is the power to compel people to testify, but they can run into roadblocks. If you suddenly look at national security, I'm not convinced you're going to a public inquiry, even under the Inquiries Act, is going to be able to compel someone who has clearance in the national security basis to uh, testify in open court. Okay, let's talk about the latest south of the border here on Donald Trump. Now, mm-hmm. Trump had uh, put out a statement that he expected to be arrested Today. It doesn't look like that's happening today. No, it doesn't look like CNN it. CNN right? was reporting it could happen next week. Yeah, and interesting watching CNN today, watching uh, other networks reporting that right now people who are demonstrating the anti Trump uh, views are more numerous than the pro Trump demonstrators. In Manhattan in the criminal court, there's more anti Trump people there. Um, correspondents reporting from Trump Tower, where there's supposed to be the big pro Trump rally, there's more reporters. At present than there are Trump supporters. So right now everything seems to have fizzled a bit, so, but uh, again, it's it's not going away. No, it's not, and the process continues here, and we saw the, the barricades being put up outside mm-hmm. the, the courthouse in, 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 uh, in New York City yesterday, so something is certainly percolating here, but it doesn't it's look like... It's brewing, but yeah. we don't know which, which, which way it's going to go here. Right. So this is interesting for the Republicans because you got a lot of uh, MAGA Republicans who are very still loyal to Trump. Let's listen to one of them here. This is uh, Representative Andy Biggs, one of the biggest Trump supporters in Congress here. He's, of course, a Republican. And here he is comparing what's happening to Trump. And you'll hear him make a comparison here to Bill Clinton. Have a listen. If you're Bill Clinton and you give $850,000 to Paula Jones in a civil settlement, which we all agree was a civil settlement, nothing happens to you. But if you're Donald Trump and you give money in a civil settlement, uh, somehow a a, a crazy theory emerges from a radical leftist DA supported by George Soros to say, well, we're going to have to go after Donald Trump. Well, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's that's a bit of a that's a bank shot for me because leap there well because because what we're talking about with trump here is using uh campaign finances here to pay off stormy daniels and then using as, okay. as a tax deduction <laughs> you know there's a lot of fronts here that uh, so the trump people are going to say what they're going to say but the problem with the republicans this could rip the party apart there is a loyal trump base but there's also the ron DeSantis crowd and others in the republican party who want nothing to do with trump and this may be the flashpoint to finally rip, tear asunder all the factions in that party who have been sort of glued together, but since January 6th have sort of uh, become untethered. And I think this this could be the flashpoint. I guess the approach by DeSantis appears to be not going to support Trump on the Stormy Daniels payment, but continue to point a finger at this U.S., this attorney general in New York State and say this is a political prosecution of Trump. Well, I mean, so. DeSantis is increasingly having his eye on the primary season. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, they don't elect a, the nominee on a nationwide basis. This is done state by state. And DeSantis is going to start focusing on the Republican members in state by state, starting with Iowa and New Hampshire. He's uh, uh, latest polls have him in the lead in Iowa, and he doesn't want to lose that. If he it can win the first primary in, in Iowa, one of the first, that can give him some momentum. And it's hard to see how Trump necessarily would fight against that. Okay, Trump calling on his supporters to protest. Hasn't happened take, so far. Take their country back, as he, as he put it. Now, what does that mean? Is this like a, a call to arms, like another January 6th uprising? Yeah, I think well, so. Well, 
Is it like let's okay? Let's listen to a Democratic member of Congress here. This is Jason Crow on this point. Have a listen. And when Donald Trump calls on protests or calls for protests, that's not what he means. Uh, this is somebody that doesn't respect law enforcement, that just doesn't respect rule of law, that doesn't respect uh, actually um, peaceful protests in our system. Uh, he respects only raw power and what's in his own self-interest, and he's willing to call for violence to do so. Well. You know, he's not specifically calling for violence, and we we didn't see much of a turnout by tr- pro-Trump supporters. Which is why this I week. think the air may have gone out of the balloon here. Yeah. It was there in January sixth, but I think that was a sober wake up for a lot of people who were backing Trump up until then. I mean, there's a lot of people who are facing serious jail time who were engaged in those tactics in January sixth, and a lot of people don't want to repeat that. Yeah, I still starting to wonder like i'll believe this when i see it when they charge trump you know i mean there's been a lot of noise here oh, yeah. it certainly seems like it's going I mean, in that direction but i'm still again, not convinced it's actually going to happen no i think you're right to be a little skeptical here i mean yeah. the new york times reported last week there, there were signals coming from the prosecutors yeah. but not actually no attributable statement saying we are going to charge trump yeah. the only definitive statement on that has come from donald trump Yes. There's been nothing backing that up from, from uh, justice officials. Yeah, okay. Well, we continue but to follow they, this. they did put the barricades out in front of the well, Manhattan they, Criminal they Court, did. so they must think well, they're not gonna, up. they're not going to perp walk Trump in there and in Stormy handcuffs, Daniels is on Twitter basically saying she thinks he's going to be charged as well, and she's been sort of ahead of the story for obvious reasons uh, than a number of reporters. But if they do arrest Trump, they'll have to bring him, he'll have to go from Florida to New York City, and then they got to bring him down to that courthouse. I don't, they're uh, not going to walk him in the show. front door. Yeah. Well, they're not going to perp walk Trump. I don't think so. No. no. I mean, they bring him in a back door or an underground or tunnel. Well, or again, we're into know. the speculation. We're into this <laughs> unprecedented This is what they're trying to figure out. Okay. Uh, real quickly, the the transit strike in the Fraser Valley. This is a lot of bus drivers on strike here, like 200 dri- mm-hmm. bus drivers. Yeah, and it's uh, it seems to be an intractable situation. But don't look for the government to intervene here. I mean, people forget there was a 146-day strike in Squamish and Whistler. That went on. That's the longest transit strike ever. It was only yeah, resolved right. when Vince Reddy got involved, the right. super mediator. Yep. And I suspect Mr. Reddy's services will be called upon here. But it's early days in this. This is going to go on for some time. But don't look. And we talked to Labor Minister Harry Baines yesterday. Again, making it clear, government has no intention to intervene directly. Uh, the best deal is hammered out at the negotiating table. Having said that, as I reported last night, there's a number of tools at Harry Baines or the Labor Board's disposal to do, uh, get involved in this, they can appoint a mediator, a special mediator, a fact finder, an industry inquiry commission, uh, or even require the employees to vote on the final offer or the latest offer. Uh, from but the you employer. don't see a back to work no. bill. I mean, the House okay. resumes next week, but I'd be very surprised if we're going to see legislation. That is not in the NDP's DNA. Having said that, uh, but again, I've, Back in the 90s, which I think was a different NDP government than you see today, it was a little more scared of its shadow back in the 90s. They did uh, bring the House back on a weekend to end a QP support strike, uh, support workers strike in Surrey. I believe it was Surrey or New West. And also they ended a bus driver strike uh, through legislation. But I don't see that happening here. Let's go right to your phone calls. Benny in Abbotsford. Hi, Benny. Good morning. Yeah, I'm calling regarding the bus strike out here in Abbotsford. I'm an avid bus uh, user there, and I'm concerned about uh, not having uh, public transport. The union has stated that they're out indefinitely until they get a settlement. No one can be without a paycheck even for two weeks. The labor minister needs to get Vince Reddy in here and try to resolve this strike. Why do we have to wait 
four to six weeks or three months eh, before Vince Reddy is appointed. We know that the Squamish Whistler uh, uh, strike was resolved with Vince Reddy. So let's bring Vince Reddy in. And so I can get out and buy my groceries. Okay. okay great, Benny. great to hear from you again, Benny. Uh, yeah, well, as Vince Reddy will tell you, you need to put pressure on both sides before he, he can be effective. There has to be some, everyone has to have some skin in the game here. So Reddy got involved at the very end of that 146-day strike. He didn't get involved in the beginning. So I'm afraid there's going to probably be a little pain felt here. Uh, by b- both sides before you're going to see a mediator have any effectiveness. Could there be more pressure on government, though, to deal with this strike, which would would appear to be of larger scale compared to the other earlier it, it ones? It is a larger scale, yeah. uh, but I think it, it, this is not going to be resolved in the short term in terms of government intervention. It would have to go on, I think, for a little bit before you'd see the yeah. government move, and I'd still be very surprised to see the government uh, step in here. Uh, Harry Baines has made it very clear, and he comes from a labor background, yeah. former IWA f- official, very familiar with how labor negotiations work. Um, imposed settlements and back-to-work legislation is the last option for government. Right, and that's a good point about Vince Reddy because I've talked to him before, and, and he will make the point that, look, I it, don't bring me in t- prematurely here. Exactly. You've got to try and get this thing hammered you out got, as you, much as possible. You got to, uh, Both sides have to feel a little yeah. pain, I mean, yeah. before he can get, the, can get their attention at the bargaining table. Right. Brent in Victoria. Hi, Brent, go ahead. Hey, good morning, Keith. Good morning, Mike. Um, so I take uh, BC Transit quite a bit. I, I grew up in Langley. I used to take it out to Chilliwack a lot. I mean, I live in Victoria now, but I was planning on uh, doing a little bit of a, you know, touring around. And now hearing about the strike, uh, those are my my only means of transportation. I don't drive, so I take transit. So it's like taking, a, a, you know, a bicycle away from a child, right? You know, in a sense. Um, a lot of commuters, they also... Uh, you know, they also commute from the Fraser Valley uh, back and forth and to the businesses, and that's going to affect businesses uh, big time if people can't get to and from doctor's appointments, you name it. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, people need that transportation, and it's a basic means of transportation. I feel sorry for the people who are disabled also, right? A 52 yeah, right. year um, bus pass, right? Um, yeah, like they're going to be really, really hurt in this whole well, transition. My my understanding, Handy Dart is still operating. Okay. Um, but uh, again, I don't think the government is going to get involved early. If there is government involvement, it's going to have to come sometime down the road after both sides feel the impact. And for, for the employer, it's loss of revenue. Uh, for the workers, it's a loss of a paycheck. And as each day goes by, both sides feel more and more pain. And that's when someone like Vince Reddy can come in. And ease that pain. Okay. This is impacting a lot of people, though. I take your point. The, the caller said, like, this is 13,000 people on a weekday use this system. So this is a lot of people impacted by this. And they appear to be far apart. This union's looking for, is this right, 32% pay hike? What? To bring them in line with other drivers in Metro Vancouver's transit system, and they have been without a contract for a long time. So this appears to be a union that's dug in here. Oh, it does, and yeah. but again, uh, dug in when you're getting paid is different than getting dug in when you're not getting paid. And I've been through labor disputes, I've negotiated labor disputes, and there's a world of difference when you're without a paycheck, and especially, I'm not sure they're getting strike pay or not. We'll look into oh. that.